More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in. Happy Friday. Hope all of you are having a fantastic start to your weekend. And we hopefully will make that a little bit better over the next three hours. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We have got a lot of interesting stories to dive in with you. We certainly want to thank all of our veterans out there that are listening. Uh, we will have special veterans-related activities and events that will be taking place during the course of today's program. And so we thank you right off the top. Um, the, the news that we broke yesterday of Joe Manchin not running for re-election in West Virginia has continued to reverberate throughout the political landscape. We will not only think about what the impact of Joe Manchin not running in West Virginia is going to be, but also what that means for the Senate map and what that could mean for Joe Manchin as he explores potentially running as a no-labels candidate as a third party. Jill Stein, many of you will remember Jill Stein, formerly of the Green Party, still of the Green Party, I guess. They kept her off the ballot for 2020. She may well have cost Hillary in 2016 the election in many close states. She's now going to be running back on the ballot theoretically. We'll see whether she can make it on in any contested states. It's starting to look like everyone's presidential ballot is going to have maybe more options than we have seen in most of our lives. We'll talk about that. But, Buck, I wanted to start. We talked earlier this week about the New York Times swing state poll, which showed that Trump was up in five of the six swing states that the New York Times polled, and Wisconsin was the only one that Biden was winning, and it was very close There now is another poll that is out from a totally different uh, place. Bloomberg and the Morning Consult, I believe, is where that is the overlap. And what is intriguing here is, guess what? It's showing almost the exact same results. Joe Biden reacted to that. I'll play that for you in a moment. But here is that poll result. Georgia, Trump is up seven. Arizona, Trump is up four. This is according to Bloomberg Morning Consult. Pennsylvania, Trump is up three. Nevada, Trump is up three. 
Wisconsin, they have Trump up one. North Carolina, they have Trump up nine. Michigan, they have dead even. So in those seven states, according to Bloomberg and the Morning Consult, Buck, right now Joe Biden is not leading in any of them. The best result he has is dead even in Michigan. I'm going to play Biden in a moment, but I want to let you react to this. Is it fair to say, based on Bloomberg now and the New York Times, I think two outlets that you would say are not predisposed to be favorable towards Trump, that at this moment in time, as we sit here a little bit less than a year from the 2024 election, Joe Biden is in really difficult shape in all these swing states. And if the election were today, Trump would have a very good chance of winning. So here are the takeaways that I have from it, Clay, given where we are in the timeline. Because all this is prefaced with the election's a year out. And a year is an eternity in politics. And we all know that, right? But why does it really matter? Why does it really catch a lot of attention right now? that the polls show what they show even at this early juncture, right? I think on the one hand, it is the strongest proof we have to date that not only have the indictments against Donald Trump strengthened him with the Republican base, there seems to be an even broader revulsion from the American people against this, right? He's he's getting numbers beyond just the Trump base yeah. if he's crushing Biden in swing states. That's right. That's so that is one I think really important data point that the polls that the polls show us right now. The other really important takeaway that you can have from this or that at least is worthy of discussion is what we talk about and have been talking about frequently which is are Democrats hitting the panic button on Biden as the nominee and if so what does that mean what do they do? Um, this is, I think, a, a somewhat fluid situation, meaning I still believe, although now I'm, I'm sweating a little bit on this one, but I still think, I still think it will be Biden, but I do believe that there are enough prominent Democrats out there who are concerned that they're probably considering options and thinking, what is the break the glass plan here? Like if we yeah. really have to figure something out, what is the plan B? Now I still believe there, there is a, a constitutionally mandated plan B in a sense, or I just mandated too strong a word, but offered with the vice president taking over Kamala Harris. They obviously don't like that very much. Although I believe she does a little better than Biden in polling recently. Am I wrong in thinking that? Um, the I New York think- Times, everybody did better than Biden, which right. is really undercutting the argument of only Joe Biden can beat Trump. It's actually the case, according to some of the New York Times data, that that's not true at all. And, and so, so the, the, but going back to the first point, the strategy of Trump is going to lose because they're indicting him so many times. I don't know if that is going to, I don't know if that's going to work the way the Democrats want it to. There was that poll that showed, um, a huge change in the swing states if, if Trump is convicted. I just don't just buy indicted. it. I, I, you're I right. don't buy that, that exist. Yeah. Yeah, I don't buy that either. So that's really, it hinges on these two, you've got these two massive questions that this surge in really bad, uh, bad data for Biden. Did we play his clip, his response yet? Or no, we have not. No, played. Peter Ducey Let's asked him about Sorry. it. Listen to that. Yeah. Why do you think it is that you're trailing Trump in all these swing state polls? Because you don't read the polls off the give There are 10 polls. Eight of them, I'm beating him in those states. Eight of them. You guys only do two. CNN and New York Times, check it out. 
that can uh, we'll get you a copy of all those uh, polls. I'd love to see that copy of the polls that they're giving Joe Biden. But again, the Bloomberg poll and the New York Times poll have almost identical results. And listen to this, Buck. This is also from the Bloomberg poll, swing state voters. Who do you trust on the economy? Trump plus 16. Who do you trust on immigration? Trump plus 18. Who do you trust on the stock market? Trump plus 20. Who do you trust on prices? Trump plus 19. And I'm about to hit you with some that surprised me. Who do you trust on taxes? Trump plus 13. Cost of everyday goods? Trump plus 14. Interest rates? Trump plus, plus 16. Okay, those are all big double digit. They trust Trump. Here's what would make me a little nervous also if I'm Biden. Who do you trust on democracy? Swing state voters. Biden plus three. Only plus three buck. Well, that's uh, another one here. Uh, yeah, oh, another sorry. one here. Uh, uh, who do you trust on abortion? Biden plus four. One more. Who do you trust on labor and unions? Tr- uh, Trump plus one. Like these are, if Biden's only going to be a little bit up on abortion and a little bit up on democracy buck in these swing states, he has no chance to win. So the, the democracy poll number there, Really, uh, stuck out. out to me because here's what, here's what I think is going on. They've had this whole narrative of January 6th, Trump is a threat to democracy, you know, the insurrection, all this stuff. And there were some residents, uh, that I think we saw with that narrative in 2022 with some of the Trump supported candidates. Some people disagree with that analysis. That's fine, whatever. But it certainly was what the Democrats thought. I mean, they were supporting even with dollars, some of the more, uh, MAGA candidates in, in some close elections. But here's what's happened since then. The people that have been lecturing everybody about democracy, who are also the people who are lecturing us all about Russia collusion, which they were all wrong on. Yes. But now they've been lecturing us about the threat to democracy and they have Joe Biden's DOJ covering up for Hunter, which we've all seen. It's very obvious. While at the same time, launching four, I mean, I know it's only two of them are federal, but the system, you could say, the Democrat system, launching four criminal indictments against Donald Trump with 91 total counts that theoretically would send him to prison for the rest of his life if he was convicted in any of these cases. Yes. I think people look at that and they say, you're not allowed to lecture us about democracy anymore. I I think some people see this and there's a bit of a pushback. There's a bit of, hold on a second. You're the ones who are weaponizing the justice system against a political candidate. What could be a more obvious political question than who should be the president of the United States? Meaning, what could be the more clear answer than let the people decide, let the people vote? These efforts, Clay, to knock him off the ballot in some of the states, they just failed in, what was it, uh, Minnesota, was it? That That's they, right. Minnesota, that Minnesota said, no, sorry, you can't kick Trump off the ballot. But they're trying to abuse the system in every way possible against Trump while they say they're saving the system. Some people obviously buy into that, but I think some people don't, and they're people that Democrats need to vote for them. I think people can simultaneously believe that January 6th was a threat. They can buy the Democrat argument, who are swing voters I'm talking about, not most of you that are out there listening to us, that it wasn't, you know, we know it wasn't an insurrection or the most yeah. deadly. And dangerous Riot, riots are bad. War. Breaking but, yes. federal property is bad. Hitting Correct. police is bad. Yes. You should be prosecuted when you, and regardless of your politics, engage in violent behavior. So I think most people who are listening to us agree with that. But... You can simultaneously have bought that argument on some level, 
but then also believe that what Democrats are doing is as bad, or I think a lot of them believe far worse. And so if Biden's only up three on democracy, and if he's only up four, these are swing state polls from Bloomberg, and if he's only up four on abortion, I don't think he has anything else to run on, Buck. The only thing he can run on is abortion and democracy. I think that's it. And if that those allegations aren't resonating uh, against Trump, and I do think Trump is protected on the abortion level uh, argument on some level because he's never been a zealous abortion-focused politician, right? He's been a border guy. He's been an economy guy. Obviously, he appointed the justices that overturned Roe v. Wade, but his position has been, hey, we put it back to the states. I don't think you're going to see Donald Trump run aggressively on an abortion-related uh, political calculus. And if it doesn't work on democracy, what arguments does Joe Biden have? He doesn't have the border. He doesn't have crime. He doesn't have inflation. He doesn't have a roaring uh, stock market. What do you? He doesn't have. Yeah, can't even point to peace. We got war in the Middle East and war in the in uh, Europe. The only thing I think he can run on Buck is democracy and abortion, well, and it's not resonating in the in the swing states. This is where I would I would put out the word of caution. It's not resonating yet. They haven't run the playbook and the campaigns and the you know the huge amounts of money and the but, TV ads and the lies and the misrepresentations. Right. That's I think those numbers will be able to move in Democrats' favor, the ones abortion and, and democracy threats or whatever it was. But the fact that they're so close right now, irrespective of how aggressive the Biden campaign is going to be, is, I think, a troubling indicator for their electoral prospects and an encouraging indicator for Donald Trump. I mean, if you had asked me before I saw that poll, you know, on the issue of, th- uh, like, you know, democracy or yes. whatever, I would think it would be Biden plus 20 just because of all the rhetoric about it, around it. You know, um, I, 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 I was stunned when I saw it, too. But to me, the Biden people have to. And again, this is Bloomberg. This is uh, seven swing states. Trump is winning six of them, tied in one of them. If I'm the Biden team, and I think they're seeing this buck because they spent twenty five million dollars already on swing state advertisements, despite what Joe Biden said when he's like, oh, well, the polls that I see are good. You know, when you're in the White House, I think a lot of times they give you the polls that they think look good for you. The fact that the New York Times and Bloomberg have almost identical results suggests to me that these are not outlier ind- indic- indic- indicators and that Biden is in real trouble. How much trouble enough that they're thinking about something else? That's what everyone's asking right now. I, I get all these people that are saying, how are you feeling about your prediction, Mr. Buck? And I say, I'm, I'm dug into my trench. I'm not moving an inch. And we'll see. I'll take what whatever whatever we, comes we my way. Come back. What do you think about my theory that there is a secret conversation behind the scenes that could be going on, and they're just trying to avoid undercutting Biden in the last year of his presidency? I will. I will address. I yes. will address your theory. And we want to hear what you think. Eight hundred two eight two two eight eight two. Are we seeing the polls the right way? How are you feeling about our prospects right now to take back the country from the communists, aka the Democrats? Like everything else, ammo has become more expensive, and that makes it more expensive for gun owners to train at the range. There's an alternative training method out there, though, called Mantis X. You can do this at the range or even at home. Mantis X is a firearms training system that is a no-ammo, all-electronic way to improve your shooting accuracy. It simply attaches to your firearm like a weapon light. 
Then you connect that to your Mantis X app, and it guides you through drills and courses. The Mantis X gives you data-driven, real-time feedback on your technique and aim. Nearly everyone using Mantis X improves within the first half hour. The Mantis X is a must-have for every gun owner. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Making sense in an insane world. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Second hour of Play and Buck gets going right now. And we, we love it. We can share some encouraging news. I can't say it's good news because it hasn't happened, but it's encouraging news. Probably, um, given all the factors at work. And it has to do with the Senate map going forward into 2024. It looks like things are on the, uh, on the upswing for Republicans. Let me give you some of what, what we've got here. There are seven Democratic Senate seats that are up in 2024 in states that Trump has at least one time in the last two elections won. Democrat seats are up in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Montana. Now, uh, all those states, with the exception of, of Montana, are uh, critical swing states. I mean, Arizona, I think people assume this time will go red, whatever you think about what happened last time. I'm just saying people think that Arizona probably is going to be good to go. Um, but Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, those, I'm sorry, well, Ohio is also probably going to go red. But Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, critical, critical states. And you've got Democrats who are going to be defending there. When you add to that the announced retirement of 
uh, Joe Manchin from the Senate, at least, or I shouldn't say retirement, the, the, the not running, it's kind of like a retirement, the not running for reelection. Um, and I, I sent this to Clay. I thought this was, this well, well played. The NRSC chairman, Steve Daines, put out this statement when Manchin announced he was not running again, quote, we like our odds in West Virginia. End quote. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Trump won by like 40 or something in West Virginia. Yes, 39, big... I think, to be exact, Buck. Yeah, it was it was uh, a solid Trump victory in West Virginia. This has got some of the Democrats a bit on the concern side, Clay. Here is, uh, and this is cut 12, CNN's number-crunching guy on how it's looking in terms of Senate control in 2024. Play it. We have a slew of these Democratic seats in these states that Trump won at least one time. Compare that to the Republican side. You know how many GOP seats are up in 2024 that Trump lost at least once? Zero. A grand total of zero. So Democrats have far more vulnerable ground than Republicans do. Pretty much all the Republican seats are in safe Republican areas. So the fact is, going into 2024, I'd much rather be a Republican running for Senate than a Democrat, or at least put my money on them gaining the majority. He's saying that it looks like Republicans are in a good spot. Manchin, we can talk about the third-party situation here and no labels if you want, Clay, in a moment, but Manchin stepping aside in West Virginia means very likely you'll have a Republican senator winning there. And now this raises the prospect, because all along I've been saying to people, look, it'd be one thing if you have a Republican and very possibly Trump as president in 2024, but if they have a divided Congress, the big stuff that we want to get done is very, it's just not going to happen, right? The big stuff's not going to happen. But it looks like you could have Republican control on both sides. Yeah, I think I've said on the show for a couple of months that if you looked at the map, I was actually more optimistic of Republicans winning the Senate than I was holding the House. Because remember, in the House, there are 18 Republicans representing districts won by Joe Biden in 2020. So those are going to be tough seats to maintain in 2024. And I think you just have to look at the map and be rational. And when I shared this yesterday, a bunch of people were like, there's no way this is going to ever happen. Like, there's so much defeatism out there. Again, just look at the map. Republicans are going to win in West Virginia. That makes it 50-50, right? That's a flip. Then you look, Ohio and Montana, as you mentioned, Buck, if you look at gambling markets right now, Republicans are favored to win both of those states. And you only need one to take control of the Senate, regardless of who wins the 2024 race. I don't see any states that are currently represented by Republicans in the Senate that are likely to flip. And then Democrats also have to run the table in competitive races in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Nevada. All of which, if you look right now, are... Races that will likely be decided by two, three, four points. Republicans can certainly not win. But the probabilities would be substantial that Republicans should take control of the Senate in 2024. Now, we could have eliminated this doubt completely by winning in Pennsylvania, Georgia, or Nevada in 2022, which were all three winnable elections that Republicans managed to lose. 
But this is a big deal. Joe Manchin not running basically guarantees 50-50. And if you win the presidency, then you have the tie-break vote that we know because Kamala's had the tie-break vote for uh, some of the tenure of Joe Biden in office as well. Now, here's the also big part of Joe Manchin. He had an editorial in the Wall Street Journal this morning, Buck. He put out the video yesterday right as we were about to finish. He's basically going to go around and see whether there is an appetite for him to be this no-labels representative. There's even some talk, have you seen this, that he and Mitt Romney could be on a ticket together? I have seen this. Yes, My take on that, and I'm curious what your take would be, is that that would be very good for Trump and very bad for Joe Biden. Because I don't think there's that many Republicans out there that have fond memories of Mitt Romney and would be willing to vote for him, I think there's more people mm. who would be willing. You disagree? It's a pro- probably uh, an issue in it. Wouldn't it wouldn't be helpful in Arizona? Um, wouldn't be helpful in, uh, I don't know. I wonder how that would play out in a place like Michigan. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to think a little more about how, how they would get, because remember, we're also looking at probably a well, RFK Jr. says he's running third party. If no yes. labels also has a third party, I guess it would be fourth party, right? Oh, <laughs> I think I, I think we're gonna have. I think a lot of people out there, Buck, are gonna have like six people on their ticket because you've got right. Cornell West. We'll see whether or not he can get on. You got RFK Jr. You got Jill Stein now in the Green Party saying she's running. The Libertarians are gonna put somebody out there. I haven't heard exactly who their candidate's gonna be. No labels, I believe, Buck, has already gotten access to 15 different state ballots. That's the one that could have Manchin or Romney. And that's before we even get to Biden and uh, Trump. So there are going to be, in other words, a lot of protest candidate options for many people out there when you walk in to cast your vote. If Joe Manchin ran as the as the presidential contender, I think that would be disastrous for Joe Biden. I don't think Joe Biden would win. If they put Mitt Romney on as the president and then they put uh, Joe Manchin as the vice president, I don't uh, my indication is that would be worse for Biden than it would be for Trump, because I think Democrats are less committed. But what it points to is we would be in a situation where there's so much uncertainty. It would be really hard to handicap it with six or seven different people on a presidential. Well, well this is why also the the polls, and I do think it's fair to say that we're so far in advance that polls about who will be president, that doesn't really tell us very much. As I've said, it's more an indicator of how people are reacting to the indictments against Trump and how people are viewing Joe Biden at this phase in time and the possibility of replacing him. Oh, to that end, Joe Scarborough, this is cut 11, he, I think you're going to start to hear more of this, which is as it gets closer and assuming Trump stays out with this big lead, you're going to hear people like Joe Scarborough saying you should contrast Biden and Trump and somehow that nullifies Biden being too old, frail and feeble. Play 11. I'll tell you what I would do. I'd show a picture of Donald Trump golfing and I say, you guys are talking about health. You're talking about age? You take it head on. You joke about it like he did last night. So last night was fantastic. Somebody falls down. He's like, it's not me. <laughs> you know, he walks around, starts joking about it. You always go straight into it. And then you look at the other guy and you're like, you guys are talking about, he, he thinks he's running against Barack Obama. He's like a drugged out rock star. He's like, thank you, Detroit. 
and he's actually in Scranton. Like, he doesn't know where he is. He's got to go to it. He's got to run to it, joke about it, and have events like he did yesterday. Buck, we just had the president on. I think we're in the 99.9 percentile of where you and I, of where Trump is mentally. The guy walked off of playing golf, said he shot a 72, sat down in his golf polo, zero prep in terms of what we were going to ask him, no demands of you can't say this, you can't say that, sits down with us, does a full hour, meets our wives, jokes around with everybody who's in the room during commercial breaks, gets up, goes to South Florida, does a rally in front of tens of thousands of people. You cannot like Trump. Joe Biden couldn't do one of those three things in any given day, much less all three. 18 holes of golf, it's 85 degrees out. Come right in, sit down with us, do an hour of a radio, and then go to South Florida and do a rally where he talks in front of tens of thousands of people. Do you think Joe Biden could do any one of those three things in a day, much less all three, boom, boom, boom? Of course not, and I don't think that there will be a lot of success in running the Trump is so old, too, just like Biden strategy. I I just think that they have very few options, and they can't entirely not address it, so that's going to be the best that they can come up with. But it's one thing thing to have... um, the possibility of a Trump presidency hanging over Democrats, but a Trump presidency that would have a united, uh, Congress. Oh yeah. Which seems like it is a, again, I'm not, I'm not, I do not celebrate early. Celebrating early is one of my mantras that you, I mean, meaning don't celebrate early is one of my mantras. Don't do it. Um, but they're worried about that. And by the way, here's Donald Trump, since we're talking about him, indicating how he might use the federal government if in fact he wins. This is cut one. Play it. What they've done is they've released the genie out of the box. You understand that. They've done something that nobody thought would happen. They've taken a president who is very popular. I got 75 million votes, much more than that, I believe. No president's ever gotten that many votes. You can't do that. You can't go after people. You know, when you're president and you, you've done a good job and you're popular, you don't go after them so you can win an election. They've done indictments in order to win an election. They call it weaponization. And the people aren't going to stand for it. But, yeah, they have done something that allows the next party. I mean, if somebody, if I happen to be president and I see somebody who's doing well and beating me very badly, I say, go down and indict them. Mostly, that would be, you know, they would be out of business. They'd be out. They'd be out of the election. Yeah, they're they're very concerned about this possibility. I can assure you of that. I I, I do have some fun thinking about how many mostly peaceful protests there would be if Trump won election in November of 2024. Because they think in 2020 that they killed their uh, the, the political career of their great Satan. For all the talk about January 6th, can you imagine how many riots we might well see in November of 2024 if Trump were elected and Biden were defeated or, you know, any Democrat in the event that they don't put forward Biden? I just want to remind everybody, for all the focus on Jan 6th, they weren't putting plywood up in every major American city in November of 2020 because Biden might win. They would have rioted the likes of which you may have never seen if Trump had won in 2020. And sadly, 
I think some people, maybe some of you who are listening to us right now even, voted for Joe Biden because implicitly you were threatened by the idea of violence in your community and you bought into this idea of, oh, if Joe Biden's elected, things will get back to normal. I think there are millions of people who made that choice. You know, you worked hard to build your retirement savings. You deserve an investment that delivers consistent returns without compromising your financial security. Phoenix Capital Group wants to help fuel your growth. You can invest in their corporate bonds through your 401k and IRA to start earning tax-deferred annual returns ranging from 9 to 13%. There are multiple options with different rates and terms to choose from. Phoenix Capital Group is providing investors a new high-yield option investing in domestic energy assets. Start earning these high yields and learn more about multiple offerings today at phxonair.com. Learn more by downloading the free investment packet today, phxonair.com. You can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 13% annual interest. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today. Welcome back into Clay and Buck. We're joined now uh, on the eve of Veterans Day by our friend Frank Siller of Tunnel to Towers. Yesterday was the grand opening of the Tunnel to Towers Houston Veterans Village, a fully converted 161-room hotel that will provide permanent and transitional housing as well as services to more than a 100 homeless veterans from Houston and surrounding areas. Frank, thanks so much for being with us, and thank you for all the work you do. Well, thanks for having me on today. And, yeah, it was it was spectacular. We had over a 1,000 people show up because, you know, the community is really vested into what we're, we're doing. And, you know, Dennis Quaid and Andy Pettit were there, and they're both, you know, from Houston. So they uh, – and they've been very much involved with us uh, at the foundation – so they were there to show their support, and it was a, a beautiful day. But most importantly, we got over, you know, 100 homeless veterans into these uh, uh, permanent housing for most of them and some transitional for the younger guys because we want them to transition out back into society. Um, so it, it, was a, it was a beautiful day. No doubt, Frank. I uh, appreciate you coming on with us. Um, the amount of work you guys are doing is incredible, and I know – You've got so many different projects that you're working on right now, but I had the good fortune to be with you at Liberty National. And one of the things that you're focused on now is trying to really go after homelessness in the veteran community. For people who may not have heard about what you're doing in that arena, explain what your concept is and what you guys have been capable of achieving already and where you can go from here. Okay. Well, we're so proud of it, and you're right. So I, I want everyone, your listeners, to know, because I'm sure many of them already do the $11 a month, you know, to make sure that we take care of all the catastrophically injured service members and first responders and Gold Star uh, that uh, families that have someone dies in line of duty that leave young families behind. So, And to prove we're still doing that, we paid off 50 mortgages or built, uh, delivered 50 mortgage-free homes today, today for Veterans Day. So uh, I want people to know that we're fully committed. We're never not going to do that. Every firefighter, every cop, every first responder, every Gold Star family that, you know, have young families uh, die in the line of duty, we're going to take care of them forever. And that includes the catastrophically injured with the smart homes. So that is why we did 50 houses today. That being said, there is a tremendous homeless problem amongst our veterans, and it's just unacceptable. You know uh, that it, on the battlefield, uh, our men and women in uniform would never leave anyone behind. 
So why is it that they come back into the states and we're leaving them on the street? It's disgusting. It's disturbing, and it's just not right. So we, you know, we've been watching it for years, and we've been talking about it for years to do it, and and now we are, you know, started over the last year uh, plus, and we're proud to say that this year alone, think about this, this year alone, three thousand homeless veterans into their own residence, and um, and we get them to wrap around. Uh, comprehensive services they need. And so what does that mean, comprehensive services? Because we know we just can't put a roof over the head because uh, at one point they did have a roof over the head and they and they weren't able to assimilate back into society. So we get them employment ass- assistance, job training, benefits assistance, because a lot of them get benefits and you could use them for, you know, for their rent and, 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 and other things. Educational assistance, get them back, you know, some of them back in school. There's a certain amount of credits away from college and, and you know, get, to, get them in a place where they could get a, better, uh, get a job or a better job. And financial budget management, legal advocacy, medical care access. They don't even know what they have, uh, a lot of these guys. Well, they don't have the, uh, the, the, the help that needs them to get to the point where they could get everything that they need medically. And, of course, mental health support and counseling. Uh, not only for PTSD, for addiction, and for other things, and there's a lot of mental illness, but it all mainly comes uh, from PTSD, as we well know, because of what they did, you know, serving our country. So we have these on site. So this village that we have in Houston, it's state-of-the-art. So we have have like uh, three floors. The first floor is all these services that I just mentioned. We have them on site, on site. And um, and we're close to pretty close to a VA center to take them to get them all the you know uh, uh, you know benefits and assistance that they need medical care that they need and um, and it's just a, a beautiful way to get them back into society. So they have their own apartment. It has a kitchen. It has a bathroom. It has a bedroom. It has their own TV. It gives them back some respect, you know, and dignity and hope into their lives. And we hope to give them back their lives. So we're not only doing that, we're building these 500-square-foot, what I call comfort homes, to give these great heroes back some comfort. And these are mainly for the older, let's say, Vietnam War veterans that have been on the street for God knows how long. And, it's, and we're, we're putting them in these villages, so they have, we have these, you know, uh, um, renovated hotels. And now in the parking lot, in the adjoining area, we have, in Houston, we're doing uh, approximately 20 of these comfort homes and creating a village with a common area and people can grill and people, you know, it's a great place for people to heal together. They were crying yesterday. These veterans that were moving in, they were crying. They said, you don't know what we've been living in. You don't know the cock, uh, cockroach infested and rat infested and uh, the kind of what they were living on the street. It was disgusting. And they're in there and they're crying. They said, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And so many people care. They got hope and dignity back, and I tell you, it was just—it was just a beautiful day. We're talking to Frank Stiller of Tunnel Towers, an amazing organization that we're very proud to be partnered with here on this show. Um, Frank, you did the Houston Veterans Village event yesterday. Just give us a sense of what some of your plans are going forward into the end of the year here and for next year to help our veterans and, and keep our sacred vow to support our veterans, and, and what T2T is going to be up to. Well, we're doing this all over the United States. We're buying different hotels. Uh, we have one in Atlanta, Detroit. Um, and we just got a, a big piece of property 
in uh, in Pennsylvania, um, Florida. We we just land being donated to us in, in Florida to build uh, uh, these type of ground up uh, facility. Uh, but it's all over the United States. And a lot of it is veterans are because you know it's like, sad to say it's easier than to survive in a warmer climate than than a colder climate. But we have a national case management network. So let's just say, for instance, I don't have a village. I can't have a village everywhere in the United States. You know, uh, will I have 50 of them? Yeah. Will I have 100 of them? Absolutely. Will I have 250? No doubt about it. But I won't have 5,000 of them. And um, and there's homeless veterans all over. So I have a national case management, and we work with the VA. And uh, when we find out about a homeless veteran, and sometimes they're not even on the street. Well, you know, they they only really want a chronic homeless person to be you know, described as a homeless person out there for six, uh, over six months, let's say a year or two years, uh, before uh, they really can get the help. Uh, but we'll take somebody that's on the street that they might not qualify as a homeless person with our National Case Management Network, let's say for three months they're out there. You go on the street for three months, you, you, you're homeless, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and we could get them into their own apartment right away, uh, work through the uh, VA, Help them get a, a, a voucher, and the, you know the VA, will, you know through HUD, uh, subsidized, subs, uh, you know through HUD and and, and the VA uh, system uh, to get them into an apartment. Uh, and yes, they put some money towards it, but we want them to. Uh, and once again, we want them to assimilate back into society. But we have our case managers. This is the beautiful part about Tunnel to Towers employees from Tunnel to Towers professionals work with these great heroes to make sure they're getting everything that they have to get to once again assimilate back into society. I'm not just putting a roof over the head. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's the way it used to be done. Some other great organizations have been working very hard on it for years. I tip my hat to them, but it's, this is the way that it has to be done, and we are going to eradicate it. I should say your listeners and Fox are going to eradicate it because these are the ones that are donating $11 a month. Once You know, you go to T2T.org, $11 a month. It's incredible when you have, you know, a million people come together, how much that is per month, and we make sure uh, that we take care of these uh, great heroes. Frank, you're doing great work. I will see you in Nashville next week. I know we're going to help do some oh, more yeah. events there, but uh, there are a lot of people out there who are veterans as we get ready for Veterans Day and need the help. You can check it out at T2T.org. Frank, see you next week, my man. I'll see you next week. God bless. That's Frank Siller. He does incredible work. You just heard all about what he's doing. And as many of you know, Foundation was launched in the memory of Frank's brother, firefighter Stephen Siller, who bravely ran through the tunnel on 9-11, as many were running in the opposite way, went on to the towers to try to save lives, sacrificing his own life in the process. As we see what's happening on college campuses around our country, students protesting Israel, it's more important than ever for the next generation to be educated about 9-11. And that's why the Tunnel of the Towers 9-11 Institute was launched. Help educate kids, kindergarten through 12th grade, about our nation's darkest day. It's been 22 years. A lot of kids in college have no idea what happened on 9-11. It's why young kids out there need to be educated about what happened on that day. They're nonfiction, first-person accounts told through videos and book series. Counts are moving and unparalleled. Kids won't forget these true life stories. The Institute offers full curriculum units, scripted social studies lessons, activities, backgrounds for teachers, 
and they built out a speakers bureau for classrooms with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. To never forget, we must educate future generations, help our nation honor its vow on this weekend that we will remember the sacrifices of our veterans and help Tunnel the Towers carry forward on their mission. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T. Heard it on the show? Hear more on the podcast. Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives. More content, more common sense. Find the guides on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate every all of you hanging out with us as we are rolling through the Friday edition of the program. And there are a lot of topics out there as we continue to break down uh, the Vivek versus Nikki Haley battle. Uh, Joe Manchin not running and what that means for the overall Senate uh, picture and everything associated with that. Very favorable. Uh, you know, for people out there who say, okay, I don't know why you're talking about the polls. Four years ago, at this exact time, Joe Biden was running 10 points above Trump in swing state polls. Just for people out there to uh, to kind of contemplate, again, we're a year out from the actual election. 
right now, sorry, that's not swing state polls. That is nationwide poll. Uh, Trump is up one point, uh, right now in all of the polls that are out there. Four years ago at this exact time, this is according to interactive polls, real clear poll, uh, uh, real clear politics polling average. Biden was up 10 points. Um, and right now, based on the polls, Trump would post over 300 electoral college, uh, numbers there. 301 to 235. So this would not be a close election right now if the polls are accurate. And I will point out the polls have been accurate, uh, for this past year. Uh, election day, the one that just happened on Tuesday, all of the favorites won. There were no real shocking outcomes. It was super close in Virginia, uh, and, uh, in Kentucky, Daniel Cameron lost. Mississippi, Tate Reeves won. There was the abortion issue, which looked like it was going to be a major, uh, problem in Ohio for pro-life advocates and in Pennsylvania Supreme Court race. So all of those things were reflected in what we anticipated was going to happen there. I believe now, Buck, we are joined by, uh, as we get close to Veterans Day, Vince Vargas, former U.S. Border Patrol agent. His book, Borderline, Defending the Home Front, has an inside look at the U.S.-Mexican border through the eyes of a former U.S. Border Patrol agent who also served in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, Vince, I'm sure you're seeing and, and hearing all of the discussion about fentanyl coming across our southern border and the impact it's having in the country. If you were given the opportunity to address this issue, what is the best way to try to make the border more secure and also stop the flow of illegal drugs through our country? What should happen? What would work based on your experience? (laughs) That's a loaded question, complex as it comes, but uh, it's multiple different layers, right? We, We are incentivizing a lot of the illegal immigration that comes across. And so when you do that, it causes mass influx, which actually makes it harder to stop things like drug smuggling because the inundated agents on the border uh, don't have enough personnel to cover everything. Uh, on top of that, you know, the, the, it's, it's Chinese drugs kind of are coming across. It's been proven to, to come across up through the southern border and through the cartels, who even the cartels themselves are not happy about at the moment, but they're still making money off it. And so it's a very complex question comes down to just securing our borders better, right? Having more personnel on the borders, having more support systems on the borders, as well as, um, you know, this this whole thing with, with the illegal immigration of bodies just creates uh, more chaos down there, so it's harder to manage. Vince, it's Buck. Thanks for being with us, and uh, appreciate your service with the Army 75th Ranger Regiment in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan as we're uh, looking at Veterans Day here tomorrow. Uh, you you m- might have heard in the debate, and it's come up actually before as well as some of these candidates, the idea of using uh, U.S. military special forces to go after the cartels, cartel leadership, and, you know, the most violent uh, arms of the cartels in Mexico. What do you think about that as somebody who's been both on the Border Patrol side and a part of uh, special operations? Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting uh, take on the whole thing. When I hear that, it, it's a little confusing uh, and not sure how I'd want to address it. To be honest, you know, Mexico is a counterpart of ours. Obviously, we share a border together. 
Uh, I'm, I'm always curious to why Mexico doesn't take a, a stronger stance, but as well as, as in like deterring the cartel. But I also know the corruption and what happens when someone does stand up against the cartel. You know, they're easily just taken out or killed, and then someone else has to take that place. Uh, and so for having us do the work, or at least military uh, moving into that space, uh, I think it could be effective, yes. I, I get my concern is I don't think so much on the military-only mindset anymore, being the fact that I've worked on the border and understanding that mission. There's also the humanitarian side of the whole border side that becomes uh, a question. And so I think, you know, uh, whatever means necessary it takes to control the the smuggling side of the world would be what we should look at. Um, using special operations, obviously, they get the job done. Uh, it, it comes down to is the country of Mexico really interested in us being a part of that and wanting to support and help them, or is it just kind of, uh, you know, lip service when saying that? And so that's really my whole thought process of keeping the relationship between us and Mexico uh, in a good standing so it doesn't cause uh, further issues because they are a neighboring uh, country of ours, and I think keeping that uh, relationship is super valuable and important. We're talking to Vince Vargas, former U.S. Border Patrol agent, uh, soldier as well. Book is borderline defending the home front and inside look at the U.S.-Mexico border. Given what's going on uh, with the resurgence of terrorism in the Middle East and how wide open our southern border is, how concerned are you about some of these terror groups sneaking people across our southern border in order to do uh, terror attacks here in the United States. Based on your experience as a Border Patrol agent, do you think that's likely to happen? Do you think that is happening? And how much of a concern would it be for you? Yeah, you know, I've lived on both sides of this kind of uh, conversation, and it's very, very fascinating. Uh, because of my experience in the military, I always have known that there are people that come from the that, that are smuggling them through the southern border uh, that are connections to Iraq and Afghanistan. So that's a that's something that is known. Um, and so I've always had that in the back of my mind. The concern is with the massive influx of illegal immigration that happened and the lack of really documenting or knowing who is coming across uh, definitely raised the question. We know it's a weak point. They know it's a weak point. And so they're definitely using it as a means of entering people who probably should not be in our country. That doesn't that doesn't mean that some of the people, you know, some of the people come across or are, are, are have good intentions. They're just doing it wrong. But there is small pockets of those individuals who are coming that definitely have ties and connections to terrorist organizations. That's proven. There's some that we have caught already. Uh, and so that's concerned. It makes me feel as if there's a potential, and this is, uh, you know, the side of the tactical brain of mine would say the potential for America being the next, uh, you, you know, Trojan horse, if you will. We are taking on a lot of illegal immigrants that we can't identify who they are, which, which raises the question, what is the intentions? Uh, of some of these individuals. And so, you know, that is always going to be something of concern. I think uh, why we have Homeland Security stood up after 9-11 and why we need to start addressing the massive influx of, of immigration that's happening currently. We Vince appreciate Vargas, your everyone. service. Check out, check yeah, out no his doubt. book, Borderline, Defending the Home Front. And uh, as we approach Veterans Day here again, thank you for your service in the Ranger Regiment, Vince. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Look, the amount of energy you have and are going to need uh, throughout the course of the week and the weekend and everything else, probably pretty substantial. We, we saw it again. We were at Mar-a-Lago. President Trump, 18 holes of golf, comes, sits down, does an hour of the show, then does his big rally in South Florida. Uh, maybe you don't have the energy. 
that you used to. Maybe you don't have the energy that President Trump has right now. What could you do to help get more Vim Vigor Vitality in your day-to-day existence? I got an answer for you. It's chalk. They will hook you up in a big way. Male Vitality Stack, all natural, designed to provide men with the energy drive and stamina to maximize their uh, energy all day long. Leading ingredient has been proven to increase testosterone overall 20% in just three months' time. Again, it's all natural. And if you're finding yourself as you come up on the holiday season here, maybe dragging a little bit, why not check out Chalk right now? Learn more about it and subscribe at choq.com. That's chalk.com, choq.com. If you use my name, Clay, for life, chalk.com. C-H-O-Q.com. My name, Clay, C-L-A-Y. Sign up today. Subscriptions 35% off for life. The Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives with cool content, surprise guests. Get it all on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.